Are you familiar with the military expression AWOL? Someone being AWOL? I understand it's actually an acronym and it stands for away without leave. You go away without leave. You don't do that in the military. If you're in the army or one of the armed forces, you do not go AWOL because you're asking for big trouble if you do. The idea of it is that you actually have made a commitment when you join the military ranks and there's a certain expectation that you're going to obey orders and there's a real requirement about things you can and cannot do. And if you go AWOL, away without leave, you're looking for some real trouble. You could be court-martialed, you could be thrown in jail for something like that. Just simply by not being where you're supposed to be at the time you're supposed to be there. Off somewhere else when you're supposed to be here. A wall. We want to compare that this morning to, uh, we, we don't use the terminology, we don't use the terminology A wall, but I want to suggest to you that there are a lot of Christians who are frequently A wall from the assemblies. There are a lot of times when Christians are away without leave. That is, there's no uh, expressed reason why they simply are not present at the assemblies. We might compare that to the military. In the military, you made a commitment. You, there are certain expectations. You have requirements because you are a member of the military. And I would say that those exact same things are true of us as Christians. You've made a commitment. Uh, there's an expectation on you. And there are requirements that you need to be meeting. We're not going to court-martial you. We're not going to send you off to jail. But actually, the consequences of being AWOL in your Christian service are more serious than even being AWOL from the military. And so today we want to talk about our attendance, but we want to approach it in this way. I want to suggest to you that a lot of times when it comes to talking about attendance, people end up asking the wrong questions. Uh, and it clearly shows that people haven't got things sorted out in their thinking. And we want to talk about that in our study this morning, asking the wrong questions about attendance. Stop here for just a minute to say thanks to everybody for being here. It is a hot, hot Sunday in Middle Tennessee, probably the hottest of the year, uh, and uh, certainly to date the hottest of the year, and maybe the hottest we'll have all summer. But we are so blessed to have a nice air-conditioned building to meet in, and we're glad that you have come to join us in this period of worship and Bible study, and we hope that we all be encouraged, edified, built up by the time we spend together. Most of all, we pray God will be glorified. We're going to be talking about those ideas of what we accomplish when we come together, when we assemble uh, in our lesson this morning. But we thank you for being here to be a part of this. We have visitors. We're always grateful for our visitors. Good friends from the Boot Hill of Missouri are here visiting today. I hope you take time to meet the Palmers. Glad to see the Palmers here today. But we're glad for everybody. Glad you came to join us. All right, let's talk about attendance and folks asking the wrong questions about attendance. Let's just start out with a very simple one. Is attendance really so important? I mean, you preachers are talking about attendance all the time. Uh, it seems like you come over that theme so frequently. You talk about it so often. And you take role. Uh, and and you, uh, you post the numbers, how many came. And you send out cards to people who are not here. And you make calls. If people are really negligent, you may even go and visit them in person. What's the big deal anyway? Why are you making such a big deal out of attendance? Is, is attendance really all that seriously important? Well, to answer that, let's start with the verse that Ricky read for us earlier from Hebrews 10.25, 
which interestingly probably is one of the better known verses of all the New Testament. Preachers use it so frequently that all church members know Hebrews 10.25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the matter of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. The reason I put that up here is in response to the question, is attendance really that important? I just want to post this up here as an obvious direct command from God. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. That's a command from God. It's a command. Bottom line, it's a command. We're going to talk about a lot of other important reasons for being present at the assemblies. But if we didn't have any other reason, the fact that God commanded it would be reason enough. If you don't think it's important, then I would just ask you to do this for us all. Write a list of the commandments of God that are not important. I'd like you to present to us a list. Here are the commandments of God that we deem are not important and you don't have to worry about doing them. Can you come up with that list? You can't, can you? If it's commanded of God, it's important, bottom line, period. That's all we've got to say about that. It's a command of God. And so, in answer to this very first simple question, why do you make such an emphasis of it? Well, because God told us to. It's commanded from God. Well, someone else says, okay, but do I have to attend every service of the church? Uh, Sunday night, you know, you guys are going to come together at 6 o'clock again tonight, Sunday night. Wednesday night, right right in the middle of busy work week, you, you've got Bible study on Wednesday night. you got gospel meetings, you try to meet every night. Some weeks you meet every night. I have to be there every night. You have special things, like we're having our community Bible study uh, tomorrow and Tuesday. Do I have to go to that? Where does... I just want to know, where does the Bible say I have to be there on Sunday night? Where does the Bible say I have to be there on Wednesday night? Have you ever been asked that question? I've been asked that question by some Christians who would say, where does it say that I have to be there? Well, first response is, obviously, we don't have a Bible verse that says, thou shalt be present on Sunday night. You ha or the Bible says, thou shalt not miss Wednesday night Bible study. We Let's be clear, we don't have the verse on that. We can't, we can't produce a verse. But that's not to say that we can't answer the question. I believe the question can be answered. But before even answering the question, I want to tell you, the question itself is very troubling. The question itself, where does it say I have to be there to attend every service of church? The very fact that a person who calls himself a Christian would ask that question is a very concerning thing. Because what it reveals is that here's a Christian who's seeking to do just the very minimum. I wanted, I, I'm looking for the bare minimum, and I don't intend to do any more than that. If it says I have to be there Wednesday night, I will be, but unless you can prove to me that it's required, I'm not coming, because I'm looking to do just the very least I have to do. Isn't that what the question reveals from, of, of the heart of the questioner? Now we can answer that question, of course. Because we understand that the requirement Jesus put on us is to love God with all our heart. Matthew 22, verse 36, beginning, Master, which is the great commandment of the law? Jesus said to him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. I want to, I want to just ask you to compare love God with all of your heart, soul, and mind. And so you, you, you know that's right. Love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And now ask the question, where does it say I have to be there on Wednesday night? 
The person who loves God with all his heart, soul, and mind, would he ask that question? And I think he would never ask that question, right? And so what we see in, the, in, in those who want to do the least possible when it comes to attending services, who often go AWOL from the services, these are people who really have a heart problem. It's a heart problem. That's what the issue is. We need to be like David. You know very well, Psalm 122, verse 1, David said, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Is that us? Could you fairly make the same statement about yourself? Glad when you have an opportunity to assemble with His people to worship? We need to be that way. Well, what about another question? Someone would say, well, when it comes to this attendance thing, what's in it for me anyway? What's in it for me? I think that's a typical question in this, and we even identify this as the me generation. And in this present generation, it's all about me. I frequently see this when people will call here at the church building and they start asking questions about this local church. And the questions are not, uh, do, you, do you have uh, uh, spirited congregational singing? Do you have sound gospel preaching? Do you have informative Bible classes? No. The questions are, what kind of programs you got for the young people? Uh, have, have you got a fellowship hall? Do, do, do you have a team that plays in the in the city basketball league? I mean, those are the kind of questions we get, right? And so those, those questions also are like this. What's in it for me? It's all about me. Those are the questions that are being asked. Entertain me. Uh, serve me. Provide recreation for me. Well... The answer to that is, no, it's not really about you. Uh, and, and all of us need to understand that it's really about God, right? A couple of weeks ago, we, we did a lesson about our, our primary purpose in life, to bring honor and glory to God. That's true of our worship services. It's actually true of our entire lives. We ought to be seeking to serve and honor Him, not self. In Psalm 29, verse 2, Give unto the Lord the glory due unto His name. In 1 Peter 4, verse 11, That God in all things may be glorified. It's about God. It's not about me. And, and when you ask the question, what's in it for me? You're really, again, exposing a, a, a problem in your heart. is that you want to be served rather than God being served. Now, having said that, I want to, I want to just sort of flip the coin a little bit to acknowledge that this actually is good for us. Everything that God has done is designed for our well-being. I, I want to throw up here this scripture from Ephesians chapter 4 beginning verse 11. God's plan is, is for my good. And everything about the way He designed the church and the way it functions and what we do together, He put that all together for our well-being. And Ephesians 4, verse 11, He gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God and to a perfect man and to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. There's a lot to be said about that passage. But I just put it up there to emphasize for us it's really about God. The reason we're here is for God. But don't don't miss the point that He designed this to benefit us as well. And when we follow His pattern and when we honor His will, we are blessed in the process. Well, someone else says, 
How long is this going to last anyway? I'll come, but give me a little bit of a heads up about how long this is going to go on. Uh, the kind of people that I'm thinking of here are the people who typically duck in at the last minute and are the first to be out the door when the last amen is said and they've been watching their clock the whole time. Because you know, we got to beat the Baptists to the restaurant. And those Baptists, they're pretty quick getting to the restaurant and if, we, if, if this thing drags on for a while... We're going to have to really wait over there, you know. And I, and I don't know about you, but I just I just can't take that, you know. You go in and you give your name to the gal at the check-in. She said, oh, it'd be a 45-minute wait. 45 minutes? Let's get, let's get this done. Let's get out of here quick so we don't have that 45-minute wait at the restaurant. Let's just get it over with. How long is this attendance, or uh, my attendance, how long is my attendance at this assembly? How long is that going to go on anyway? Well, I just want to give you a couple examples from the Scriptures, what people did. In the case of those who followed Jesus, in Matthew chapter 15, verse 29, beginning, Jesus departed thence, came nigh into the Sea of Galilee, and went up into a mountain and sat down there, and great multitudes came to him. Then Jesus called his disciples and said to them, I have compassion on the multitude because they continue with me now three days and have nothing to eat. Here were people who were willing to follow Jesus for three days. They didn't even have anything to eat. But they were so intent on what He was teaching and on their opportunity to learn from Him. They were so focused on spiritual things that they went three days with nothing to eat. I wonder about us. Would we be complaining even about the preaching of Jesus? Would we be saying, how long is He going to go on anyway? How long is this going to go on? Or, you remember the famous example of the Apostle Paul in the city of Troas in Acts chapter 20, verse 7. Upon the first day of the week when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow, and continued his speech until midnight. Would you have gladly sat at the feet of the Apostle Paul to hear him teach until midnight? Now, I want to be clear here. I'm not recommending that we do that on a regular basis. I'm not saying that we should have three and four hour long sermons typically. I'm not saying that. And I understand. I understand the realities of the matter. But I'm just saying that those early disciples who were suffering real hardship and even intense persecution were willing to sit and listen for long periods of time because it was the top priority in their life. And when we want to rush through the worship and when we want to see how fast we can get out, Again, I'm afraid it's a bad question to ask because it reveals something about the heart of the person who wants to get in, get out, and do it in a hurry. Wrong questions about attendance. Here's another one. Can't I just worship on my own? Can't I just do that on my own? If you want, if you all want to get together, I'm, I'm okay with that. And if, if that's something you like, then go for it. But I just think I can worship on my own. I don't have to be together with you all. I don't have to be in the confines of a church building. I just feel like I can worship on my own. What do you say to that? Do I have to? Can't, can't I just worship on my own? Do I have to be together with you all to do that? Well, first, I would answer that question first by saying, yes, worship can be, in fact, should be done many times in private. If you want to define worship, as honoring and glorifying God, expressing reverence to Him, then I, I certainly believe that the Scriptures 
suggest that's something for us to do all the time. For us to do in private, yeah, that's fine. But I also want to point out to you that the Scripture says there's such a thing as corporate worship that we have to be engaged in that cannot, and the things that we do when we come together in worship can't be done. I have an obligation in corporate worship that I can't fulfill by just worshiping on my own. Go back to the original text, Hebrews 10, verse 25. Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. I have a duty to exhort you that I partially at least fulfill when we come together in the assembly. I can't, I can't do that if I'm not here. And I have, a, I have an, an opportunity to be exhorted by you. I exhort you, you exhort me. There's a one another thing here going on. And therefore, I have to be in the assembly in order to get that done, right? And so, yes, you can, should, offer worship to God in many ways. But there is this way that is required. And you can't fulfill your obligation if you're not in the assembly. Another passage along those same lines would have to do with our singing. Colossians 3, verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing uh, with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Uh, just very simply, you can't get that done if you're not here. You, you can't fulfill that requirement. It cannot be accomplished alone. All right. Have you ever heard questions like this? Have you ever heard anybody ask this sort of question? You have, haven't you? And that goes to the point that this attendance thing is a perpetual problem among God's people. We wish that it wasn't so, but it is. And we've got to keep working on that because we, we want all to be in a right frame of mind when we come together, to not be AWOL from the assemblies. We need to deal with these kinds of thoughts. And, and I really believe these thoughts are the wrong questions to be asking. Here's another one. Do you think it's really necessary to worship when I'm traveling or on vacation? This is probably a bigger problem now than maybe it's ever been before among Christians because the fact of the matter is that we live in such a prosperous time and we do have a lot more leisure uh, and, and, and we're not burdened down with our um, immediate local uh, activities. We have vacation time, and we have, we have the prosperity to be able to enjoy it, so I can go off, and I can make a trip, and I can travel, and I can be on vacation. Do you really think, though, that when I get those chances to go on a trip or be on vacation, you really think it's so important for me to try and find Christians and join together with them and worship, even when I'm away on vacation? Well, I think the simple answer to that question would come from a verse like Matthew 6.33 that we all know so well. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. You know the verse. You know the concept. Put God first. Put his kingdom first. But I'm on vacation. I'm on vacation. We are having a ball. You know, we're just having so much fun. And this is this is actually going to sort of throw a wrench into our plans because we were going to go to the amusement park today, but this is going to take a big chunk out of, out of Sunday if we go to worship. Uh, or we're going to the beach, or uh, we're on a fishing trip, we're on a hunting trip. And if I have to stop and make... And by the way, you know you've got to carry extra clothes with you because you, you can't wear your, your, your vacation duds when you go to worship. I'm going to have to have some a little nicer clothes to wear and... 
And it, it's just gonna, it's gonna be a bother. I'm telling you, it's gonna be, there's gonna be some trouble. It's gonna cause some inconvenience. Do I have to do it? Well, tell me that you're not gonna do it, and then turn around and read this verse and tell me you're putting the kingdom things first. Well, I usually put kingdom things first, but I'm on vacation this week, and so fun comes before kingdom. You gonna, you want, I'm just asking you, do you want that to be what you're saying? Whether you say it vocally or you say it by your example, is that what you want? Is that how you want to answer the question? Are you really putting kingdom things first? Alright. Now, we've been stressing the importance of attendance. And all these bad questions that people ask, and, and by the way, I hope you recognize all the questions are easy to answer, right? This is not rocket science. We can answer the questions. It's not hard. We know the right answers. And you knew the right answers before we started here this morning. And so we know the answers to all the questions about attendance. These are wrong questions to ask. But i got one more I want to add to it. After, after stressing this attendance thing so much, let me ask this question. If I'm really faithful in attendance, is that enough? I hope you have already agreed about all the answers we gave to these initial questions, but now what about this one? Okay, okay, the preacher's on the attendance thing again. I guess we're going to have to line up, get in line, be present at the assemblies. I'm going to hit my marks. I'm going to cover all the bases. I'm going to be there every time the doors are open. I'm not going to miss. I'm going to have a good record on the attendance chart. I'm going to be there. Will that get my ticket punched? Is that enough? If I can do that, if I just do that, will you be happy? Will it be enough? Will it, will, will, will it fulfill the requirements? Well, you know the answer to that too, don't you? The answer is no. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 15, verse 7, You hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Jesus said, it's not enough to just be here. You've got to have your heart in it as well. Because he quoted Isaiah here. And so remember that Isaiah lived about 700 years before Jesus. So way back then, it was a problem of people doing something. Drawing nigh with their mouth, honoring with their lips, but their heart is far from me. That was a problem in Isaiah's day. It was clearly a problem in Jesus' day because he quoted Isaiah on that topic. Now, I want to tell you, it can still be a problem for us and, and certainly is in instances where we go through the motions. Okay, I'll be there, I'll be there. Stop preaching about attendance, preacher, I'll be there. But if your heart's not in it, if your heart's not right with God, it doesn't get the job done. And so, uh, the answer to that question is, no, faithfulness and attendance is not enough. It's necessary, though, but it's not enough. And we, we wouldn't want anybody to leave saying... The only thing that matters to those church people is if I'm there every time. Well, yeah, we want you here every time, but we want your heart right with God, too. Wrong questions about attendance. I hope it's encouraged us all to make sure we're doing the best we can when it comes to worshiping God. It's, it's important, assembling together to worship God. We're going to uh, sing a song of invitation. As we bring the lesson to a close, we'll be singing this song to ask everyone present, to think about your relationship with God, make sure it's right. Our lesson has been primarily directed toward those of us who are already Christians this morning, so we'll speak first to you. 
if your life is not right as a Christian, you've fallen back and you haven't been faithfully serving God, we urge you to come back in repentance, confession, and prayer. If you're not yet a Christian, we hope that you would make a decision to obey that simple gospel plan. Hear the truth. Believe it. Repent of your sins. Confess your faith in Jesus. Be baptized for the remission of sins. If we can help in any way, let us know while we stand and sing.